WLP in New Orleans. This is Community Radio dedicated to human rights and social justice. End all wars, baby. Good afternoon. This is Jamie Bernstein from the Offer Radio Hour. I want to remind you to support WHIVLP New Orleans because it is New Orleans' only radio station dedicated to human rights and social justice. And by the way, I am not just a host of a radio show here. I am also a member. You, too, can become a member by going to our website, whivfm.org, and clicking Donate. Hello. This is Noelani Misakaro. I'm a DJ here on WHIV every Saturday, noon to 2 p.m. for The Art of Kindness. I'm also a member here because I believe in the voice of this station. You too can become a member. Go to whivfm.org, click on the donate button. Be a part of the revolution. We honor independent voices. With love, we thank you. Good talk 
sense to me, you watch it, make it burn. Sense, you must learn. Give me this sense to me, you watch it, make it burn. Sense, you must learn. Give me this sense to me, you watch it, make it burn. Sense, you must learn. Give me this sense to me, you watch it, make it burn.
if you gon' ride with me Let's ride Well, if you gon' cash, get on the dance floor And if you don't move, then you better hit the door To keep that groove, y'all Ain't nothing like a reverse move Ain't nothing like a reverse move Say the bird gon' make you move, y'all Ain't nothing like a reverse move Ain't nothing like a reverse move WHIVLPFM in New Orleans. We are a community radio dedicated to human rights and social justice. Please consider donating at WHIVFM.org. It's communities like ours that help to support progressive programming. At WHIV, we support ending all wars. Well, I think he's already betrayed working people in terms of making sure in his view that Wall Street is in the driver's seat. And what I mean by that is, is that uh, in an emerging neo-fascist moment, you have the rule of big business, which is big banks and big corporations. You scapegoat the most vulnerable. It could be Muslims, Mexicans, gay brothers, lesbians, sisters, indigenous peoples, black people, Jews, and so on. And then you also have militaristic orientations around the world. And so you see the, ex- the, ex- the extension of the repressive apparatus as those of us who hit the streets, those of us who have been willing to go to jail, we have to recognize we'll have more coming at us under Trump administration. But the crucial thing is, is that he had talked about his connection with working people, and it's clear that uh, the 1% are still running things. This is 102.3 WHIV LP FM in New Orleans. We are community radio dedicated to human rights and social justice. Please consider donating at whivfm.org. It's communities like ours that help to support progressive programming. At WHIV, we support ending all wars. (laughs) 
partie dans les grands mèches, les grands mèches de Halebi. Et ma lingua s'apprête à manger, mais laisse-les m'entendre.
From New Orleans, Louisiana. You are listening to 102.3 WHIV, baby. Nobody beats them. Nobody. Chase those crazy. Chase those crazy. 
Listening to 102.3 WHIVLP in New Orleans. This is community radio dedicated to human rights and social justice in all wars.
This is Ken from Ken Swartz in the Palace of Sin. You're listening to WHIV LP 102.3 FM New Orleans. Peace on the planet and all wars.
of old-fashioned lace A glass of wine will greet your smiling face And if you've ever seen a brown-eyed gal like mine, boys Then you're in New Orleans For the last few years, I've had this sense that everything I learned as a kid about how America's government works is completely wrong. But I had no idea how bad things actually were until I saw this one graph. Researchers at Princeton University looked at more than 20 years worth of data to answer a pretty simple question. Does the government represent the people? Now, this is what they found. This axis here represents public support for any given idea. On the left, at 0%, are ideas that not a single American wants. On the right, at 100%, are ideas that everyone supports. This axis represents the likelihood of Congress passing a law that reflects any of these ideas, from a 0 to a 100% chance. On this graph, an ideal republic would look like this. If 50% of the public supports an idea, there's a 50% chance of it becoming law. If 80% of us support something, there's an 80% chance. You get the idea. Now, most Americans would probably agree that, with a few exceptions, we should be as close to this ideal as possible. Unfortunately, the way America actually works doesn't even come close. Take an idea that nobody supports, literally nobody, and it has about a 30% chance of becoming federal law. Now, take an incredibly popular idea. The most popular idea this country has ever seen, and there's also about a 30% chance of it becoming law. This means that the number of American voters for or against any idea has no impact on the likelihood that Congress will make it law. Put another way, and I'm just going to quote the Princeton study directly here, the preferences of the average American appear to have only a minuscule, near zero, statistically non-significant impact upon public policy. So if you've ever felt like your opinion doesn't matter and that the government doesn't really care what you think, well, you're right. But there's a catch. This flat line only accounts for the bottom 90% of income earners in America. Economic elites, business interests, people who can afford lobbyists, they get their own line. Look at how much closer their line is to the ideal. When they want something, the government is much more likely to do it. And when they don't, they have the power to completely block it from happening, no matter how much the rest of the country supports it. They get what they want, and guess who ends up paying for it? We pay for it with the most expensive healthcare in the world. We pay for it with a tax code that's a complete mess. We pay for it with internet that's slower and more expensive, with wasteful spending, a floundering education system, a catastrophic drug war, and one in five American children born into poverty. Almost every major issue we face as a nation can be traced back to this graph. How does this happen? Well, just follow the money. Right now, it's perfectly legal to buy political influence in America. Here's how it works. Let's say a big bank wants a law that would force taxpayers to bail them out again if they repeat the exact same reckless behavior that crashed the global economy in 2008. Not exactly the most popular idea with the public, and Congress knows that. That should be the end of it. But that's where the money comes in. 
It's perfectly legal for our bank to hire a team of lobbyists, whose entire job is to make sure that the government gives the bank what it wants. Then, those lobbyists can track down members of Congress who regulate banks and help raise a ton of money for their re-election campaigns. It's perfectly legal for those lobbyists to offer those same politicians million-dollar jobs at their lobbying firm. Then, those lobbyists can literally write the language of this new bailout law themselves and hand it off to the politician they just buttered up with campaign money and lucrative job offers. And it's perfectly legal for those politicians to take the lobbyist-written language and sneak it through Congress at the last second. So now you've got a law that greatly benefits the banks, and the whole process can start over. This is how a bill becomes a law. A special interest hires some lobbyists, those lobbyists collect campaign contributions, offer jobs, and then write the laws that Congress then passes to help those same special interests. This happens every day on every single issue with politicians of both parties. In the last five years alone, the 200 most politically active companies in the United States spent $5.8 billion influencing your government. Those same companies got $4.4 trillion in taxpayer support. And that's trillion, with a T. And that's just the top 200 companies. Never mind every other special interest, every union, every trade association, and every billionaire. Every single one of them can use their money to buy political influence. You know, there's this idea out there that this only became a problem after the Supreme Court Citizens United decision in 2010. But the data goes back almost 40 years, and the results are clear. Corruption is legal in America. And as long as it is, anyone who can spend money to buy political influence will. The solution here isn't rocket science. Make corruption illegal. We already know Congress won't do it. I mean, one look at this chart will tell you that. What we need is a plan that lets us go around Congress and do what the American people do best. Fix this mess ourselves. In the immediate aftermath of 9-11, uh, we did some things that were wrong. We did a whole lot of things that were right, but we tortured some folks. You are listening to 102.3 WHIVLP in New Orleans, WHIVFM.org. We honor independent voices. All our programming is dedicated to human rights and social justice. Please consider donating at whivfm.org and all fours. We did some things that were contrary to our values. This is Red DeVecca. I'm from the Sean Williams Band, and you are listening to 102.3 WHIV in New Orleans, a community radio station dedicated to human rights, social justice. And as Muhammad Ali once said, I hated every minute of training, but don't quit, suffer now, and live the rest of your life like a champion. Yeah, I hate practicing, but it helps, folks. Peace, y'all, and I love everyone. Thank you. Welcome, friends, to another edition of Economic Update a weekly program devoted to the economic dimensions of our lives and those of our children. I'm your host, Richard Wolf. I want to begin today with some updates that uh, struck me over recent weeks as extraordinary. The first one has to do with the Trump administration's admission that the deficit in the United States for 2019 topped $1 trillion. In other words, The Trump government spent $1 trillion 
more in this last year than they took in in taxes. Why is this interesting? For a number of reasons. Number one, when running for office, Mr. Trump promised to do the opposite, to reduce the deficit in this country to either a surplus, literally get rid of it, or at least to sharply reduce it from what he accused the Obama administration of having done. The reality is that he has done exactly the opposite. Number two, the biggest single cause, there are two major ones, but the biggest single cause of this catastrophic deficit is the tax cut of December 2017, which drastically cut taxes on corporations and the rich, therefore bringing in less money than before. And the second biggest cause was the size and increase in the military budget in the United States. So you cut the taxes and you spent more money, not just on the military, but particularly on the military, one of the largest outlays any case in this country, and presto fixo, you've got a fat deficit. Next item that makes it interesting. A deficit is a boosting of the economy, because basically what you're doing is that the government, in addition to all the spending we do as individuals and all the spending done by businesses uh, for their activity, now the government is the third basic spender, and it is spending uh, like a sailor. It is spending uh, way more money than it takes in taxes. That is a boost to the economy. If you put that together with the last 2019 year stimulation from the Federal Reserve pumping hundreds of billions of dollars of new money into the economy, you have a staggering stimulus. The fiscal deficit spending plus the monetary increase of the money supply. Why is that happening? Well, unless you've not been paying attention, you know it's to get Mr. Trump Re-elected. It's a boost. It's like giving a shot of adrenaline to somebody who's already running as fast as he or she can uh, to get them to over that last hurdle so they can get themselves re-elected. That's all. Please notice that the Democrats are now screaming, look at the deficit. That's what the Republicans used to scream at the Dem- Democrats for. It's like musical chairs where we replace one another. The Republicans are acting like Democrats, and the Democrats are acting like Republicans. And what's the lesson there? That the difference between the two of them in economics, it isn't there. They're just changing roles because they're just playing games to get in and out of office. The impact on the economy played by one is similar to the game played by the other. And since one is in office and the other one out, and then vice versa, of course they end up saying the same things to one another. It's why we need a real other political party, because the two we got literally are Tweedledum and Tweedledee. My next update has to do with a tragedy. Here's a statistic that says 14 out of the 15 countries who spend more than 18% of their tax revenue paying off debts, 14 out of 15 of these countries, the worst indebted countries in the world, on average, cut their social spending for their people by 13%. Here's the point. If you get yourself into debt as a foreign country, if you're so desperate 
that you have to borrow in your society, you will regret it. That, or to be more accurate, the mass of people will regret it because the government will have to raise taxes.